1: Gruesome. I'm Meg. My hetero life mate and co-host Connie is going to take lead on today's episode, episode three, Kellyanne Bates. Connie,
0: today we're going to head across the pond to the UK to dive into the case of Kellyanne Bates. Now, across I want to warn everyone ahead of sorry, across the pond, <laughs> yeah, we're coming across the pond. Let's go. Just a yeah. tiny little pond. I want to warn everyone ahead of time. This is going to be one of the most difficult cases I think we're ever going to cover especially as a parent. This was a tough one to write. But I think it's an important story to tell because domestic violence is something that most of us, we either know someone who has been the victim of it, or we've been the victim of it ourselves, whether it's verbal, mental or physical. Not only was October domestic violence awareness month, but 2020 has brought many challenges. My brother in law is in law enforcement. And he said that it, within his department, last year, they had 781 domestic violence calls. For this year, they are on track to get over 1,000. And with COVID being a main part of 2020, that has definitely been the main factor. With the quarantine, many of us were learning to bake sourdough bread, baking in general. That's what I did. I baked um, a lot, work, yeah. yep working from home, or spending some much needed time with our families. The sad reality that while some of us are enjoying this time at home, there are people all over the world that are now or were stuck at home with their abusers. Whether it's parents or significant others the buffer of work or school that people had was taken away from them
1: yeah i know i was super i especially at the beginning i felt super worried about kids that had to be at home who uh, you know maybe they didn't get enough food that they needed maybe they didn't get like the attention or the love like that they get at school they don't get that same kind of a like love at home
0: Yes. And I actually, as you know, my sister is a teacher and I asked her from a professional standpoint, what teachers were thinking. And she said, when COVID became a reality, things moved quickly. As educators, we were quickly transitioned to online and alternative forms of instruction the best way we could. One of our biggest concerns was not being available for students Social and emotional needs as well as we can when we're all present at school. Educators are mandatory reporters for any suspicion of child neglect and abuse. Without the ability to see students on a regular basis, we struggle to know what dire situations they could be in. While there may not have been any scientific evidence to support that there has been an increase in child abuse during the pandemic and quarantine, it could be largely in part to teachers not being able to report as often.
1: Yeah, how would you know if there was an increase if you? You can't even see the kids to report it.
0: Yes. And when you add the additional stressors of the pandemic, like work, finances, or people's overall health in general, when you mix that with an already volatile situation, it makes for a recipe for disaster. What makes this case so difficult to present and for our listeners to hear is that Kellyanne Bates was 17 when she was murdered at the hands of her boyfriend after years of abuse. Now, I will say, trigger warning... Trigger warning, trigger warning. This episode has the most extreme case of domestic violence I've ever come across, and crimes obviously she's seventeen, so crimes against a child It's going to get difficult to hear, but I promise after this case we're gonna lay after child- we're gonna lay off of child cases for a while <laughs> for
1: like <laughs> at least two weeks,
0: yeah, at least. <laughs> no, um, probably longer than that. I'm sorry. Yeah, not funny. this one. Not that I have. I just have that type of personality where I can separate myself from these type of things. I cannot, and, and I, I think we're so different. Different in that aspect of it. I have never, in all of the cases. I, I mean, I've been listening to true crime for years. I have never had a case that I had to step away from.
1: Nope. Like I, I have was, like tons of them. I they keep me up at night. I like overthink them i put myself in those shoes i'm just like what that could that could have been my kid that could have been me that
0: could have been anybody i know well this one is tough and at the end of this i'm gonna link some resources for domestic violence if you or someone you know is experiencing it right now and i'm gonna link resources in the show notes and also on our instagram yes All right, get out
1: of there if you are. Just run as fast as you can.
0: Yes, there's always someone that, and I think after I, that's part of the reason why I wanted to tell this story, even as horrible as it is. It's yeah, it it just shows like it, it can happen. It can happen. Now this one is freaking insane. So without, I'm gonna go ahead and get into it. Kellyanne Bates was born on May 18th, 1978 in a small town outside of Manchester, to her parents, Tommy and Margaret Bates. She is described as a beautiful, bubbly, confident, independent young girl. As she grew into a teenager, she had great relationships with her parents and her two brothers. She was, her mom had said she was a tomboy, like she could keep up with her brothers, like no problem. One night when she was babysitting for a family friend, and I looked, I could never find the name of the family friend. She met a man named Dave who walked her home that night to make sure she got home safe.
1: Wait, okay, so she just ran, like he was where?
0: he? Well, he was there, sorry. He was at the home where she was babysitting.
1: Why? Why was you know, a- I
0: never I never could find out if he was just like kind of hanging out with her parent like the parents she was babysitting for or like he was a friend. I n- it never said it just said that he was at the house where she was babysitting and he walked her home that night.
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna walk this 17 year
0: old girl home because well, I'm a good guy. She was 14 at the time. What? Okay. What? Yep. Okay. Over the next year, Kelly's tight bond with her family began to strain. She started staying out all night, being gone often. And I was trying to think back. I think we can all remember our first boyfriend or girlfriend. You want to spend all of your time with them. Yes. You want to call them all the time. Now, you're I don't obsessed. think I was staying out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I was staying out all night when I was 14. But you know what I mean? That puppy love.
1: <laughs> and when people tell you it's puppy love, you're
0: like, you're wrong. This is no. real. This is everything I've ever wanted. Now, at this point, Kelly never came out and said that she had a boyfriend. Her mom said a boy had been been calling her, but she didn't notice that he sounded older. She just assumed it was a boy from school. Finally, when Kelly was 16, she finally told her parents that she had a serious boyfriend that she had been seeing for about two years.
1: What? Two years and her mom just never knew?
0: Yep. Two years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I should add, like, the age of consent in the UK, like, when you're legally an adult, is 16.
1: Well, because that's when you can drink and smoke yeah. and everything, right? Is it yep. 16? Okay. Or is it 18? Well,
0: at this time, it was 16.
1: Okay. So, like,
0: her age of consent was 16. They couldn't do anything about who she was dating at the time.
1: Um, you could, I don't know. Well,
0: Well, wait. Hold on. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> One day, her parents got home because Dave was coming so they could meet him. Kelly's boyfriend who she had failed to mention, was not a kid from school. He was a 32-year-old man, Uh, 32.
1: At that moment, I would be like, guess what? Not your boyfriend. Get the hell out out of my house.
0: And as a parent, you're a parent. I don't know how you come home to meet your daughter's presumably teenage boyfriend and like what you do when you realize he's a grown ass man.
1: I say, nope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like, "Mm -mm, not
0: today. And this means he was 30 when he started dating their 14 year old daughter. And I don't care what anyone says. That's wrong. It's disgusting. And I'm telling you, no one tried to defend it. I don't care if you're 60 and your wife is 45. If you tell me it's okay, 14 and 30. I'm gonna at you yeah I'm gonna only, call you out
1: the only reason like 30 year old dudes date 14 or 15 or 18 year old girls mm-hmm. is because they're
0: losers. They yep. suck. And her parents said that they assumed she would date someone older, but they had no idea he was going to be They 32. assumed.
1: She was very mature for her age. We thought she might date a 19-year-old.
0: Ah! And her, da- her dad later said in an interview that he didn't agree with it, but he wanted her to be free to make her own decisions.
1: I respect that parenting standpoint I don't support the I, decision he made here
0: I do not agree with it in this situation yeah I feel like you and I both have pretty like hands off like okay you know
1: yeah if you get hurt you'll learn but not that yep. way
0: Her mom said that when she met him, every hair on the back of her neck stood up and she knew instantly was something was wrong with him. But she didn't want to push her daughter away even more and risk losing her forever. Like, this was a horrible idea, obviously. Like, we already know the ending. Like, this was a horrible idea. And up until they met him, they said they had no idea of his age. And, like, he called. And, like, I get it. Voices on the phone can sound misleading. I mean, honestly, anyone who's thought that they've talked to Zach on the phone, like from a professional standpoint over the past four years, like it's been me. Sorry. I have this like <laughs> Zach voice that I do. I call it. I'm like, hi, it's Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, rude! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like I've called like credit card companies, like doctors, pretty much anything. So no I, one has talked. It's me, and I know that I don't sound like a man. I sound like a girl pretending to be a man, but I know. <laughs> oh well, you get you get and, the job done. <laughs> yep. And at first, her parents were giving him the benefit of the doubt, which I don't understand how like i do not understand how and i'm gonna get more what into benefit, that in
1: a- yeah like what benefit of the dad is like oh maybe he's just a good guy and he really fell in love with our
0: 14 yep. year old daughter yep and her mom is quoted as saying that she thought she had an ally with him in regards because when kelly started staying out all night he called her to express concern over kelly's behavior uh and he wasn't with her
1: when she was staying out all night i am confused on that part So was she with him or was he just like trying to play both sides?
0: Yeah, she was trying to play both sides. He was trying to play both sides. Okay, what a fucker. What they would soon realize is they were dealing with a literal monster. Kelly would go to his house and he would literally put her on the bus. And as soon as she walked in the door, he would be calling because he timed out how long it would take for her to get home.
1: Uh, Controlling.
0: Yep. And then they started noticing that she was coming home with bruises on her arms and legs. Okay. Yeah. How? And then it.
1: Nope. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm
0: just vocally being annoyed. Oh, honey, it gets worse. Like, I. Obviously. Have, <laughs> I have so. I never want to victim shame. But in this case, like, I want to look at the parents and say, you guys screwed up so bad. You screwed up.
1: Yeah. They're. I understand that, like, you don't want to push your daughter away. But in this instance, there are things that you probably could, like, move. If your kid starts coming home with black eyes and they're dating a 30-year-old and they're scaring Mm -hmm. you,
0: move. Take them and go. One time she came home and the entire left side of her face was bruised. And she tried telling her parents that she was jumped. This bubbly, fun girl who had lots of friends had been jumped. No, no. And she also came home one time with a bite marks on her. It takes a special kind Yeah, a special kind of psycho to bite someone.
1: Yeah, unless it was like, like dirty biting, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: but not like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, she started having the classic signs of abuse. She stopped taking care of herself. She wasn't showering, Sh- showering. She lost weight. She wouldn't even look at her parents in the eyes anymore. She just kind of kept her head down, like just that general defeated like person. broken person. Yep. Now, this is where I have a huge issue with this case, first of all. It would have been game over as soon as I walked into the house and this 32-year-old man was there with my 16-year-old daughter. Yep. If I didn't kill him, Zach would have. Period. Like, it would have been done. Like, no, you're disgusting. No. And like you said, I would do everything in my power. I would pick up my entire family and move to a different country if I had to.
1: Yeah. And you're in Europe. You can do that. Yep. Like, the closest country. It's like moving states, you know? (laughs) not that far.
0: the age aspect aside... If any of my kids, even the boys, start, they're, I mean, it's different than the, you know, you're 15. Because I remember having a boyfriend when I was like 13 and 14, and I called them constantly. Their mom hated me. I remember just (laughs) her sounding so annoyed every time I called. And Uh that was, for any of our young listeners, you used to have to call someone's house and they were not always the one who answered the phone.
1: How did they even like, do they call like their mom's cell phones now if they have boyfriends that or girlfriends that young? How do they People get have, up?
0: They have cell phones when they're like five. Mm-mm. Right? Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then even going even further, especially like with my history, and I'm going to get into that in a second, but. If Lily ever came home and had bruises from her significant other, I would beat the hell out of them. And then I would send Zach to kill them.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that
0: person would
1: not be on this plane any longer.
0: No, no.
1: Ugh, okay, go yeah. on, keep going, keep going.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I read a couple contradicting articles where some said that her parents had went to the police and social services because but because of her legal age, they were told that there was nothing they could do, which if that's the case, like, shame on the system. It failed her. It felt like failed her miserably. And yeah,
1: because 16, 16, they are kids. Yeah, I understand that they are of legal consenting age. But when it cut like if they're coming home with bruises, and they're being hurt, someone should be able to step in, including their parents.
0: This is one of the biggest issues I have with domestic violence cases, because agencies have to start taking it more serious.
1: Yeah. And you said this was How, what year was this? Did
0: this happen? So this was in 1995 at this point. Right. And it's still like that though. Oh yeah, I know. And some of the other articles I read said that her parents did the hands off. Like we didn't want to push her away, which they urged her to leave them. And they were like, you can do better. Are you sure? We know he's hurting you. And I just, I feel like her parents could have done more. I just don't, I can't look at this case and say that they, that they did everything they could. I know that they, I, I don't know what kind, I mean, I can't even imagine the guilt that they feel because they're still alive both of them are and i can only imagine <laughs>
1: yeah they're still alive and they still have to think about this every day i mean yes not and fair not fun kind
0: of little side note i get that when someone is in an abusive relationship you can't talk sense into them so her parents telling her you need to leave it doesn't work it because this person has been gaslighted so much that they think it's their fault and they deserve what's happening to them.
1: Yeah, they've been manipulated. They have been manipulated into thinking that they're in the wrong, not the other person.
0: And as awkward as it is to say this out loud, I don't I'm speaking from a hundred percent experience. No, yeah. And it's I the same and,
1: thing. Like you're in a shitty relationship and especially when
0: outwardly, it looks okay. Exactly. And I was in a horribly abusive relationship. And honestly, it took an altercation happening like when the kids were home for me to finally be like, no, I can't have the boys growing up like this. This isn't okay. And it's not something that I talk about because it's embarrassing. It's easy to say I would never let someone talk to me like that. I would never let someone hit me until you're in that situation. Because by the time someone like, by the time it gets physical, you are so broken down. It's like you don't even feel like yourself.
1: Yeah. And it, you you have, don't. you've been making excuses for that person for so long. Like, oh, they were drinking. Oh, you know, it's only when mm-hmm. I make them mad or it's only when I do this or when this happens. And, and I think there's
0: that common misconception. Like, it's not always girls with daddy issues who let men treat them like this. I grew up with parents that love me. My parents had me on such a high pedestal, and I still let myself get into this situation. And for the family members and friends, you have to keep just being there for these people. You know that it's a shitty relationship. You know it's a horrible situation. It may seem like they're not listening to you, but you have to keep pushing for them. And you have to be there as soon as they're like, I have to leave. Give them every just when stay finally, aware. yeah like when I finally left my ex, I called Karen and I was like, I want to come there. And her and Matt, no questions asked. They were I was at their house the next week with both boys, packed up all of my stuff. Just they were like, get here because they knew Karen has told me and like, sorry, this is kinda, <laughs> this is kind of tough. Oh, that's okay. Karen has told me like I thought that something like this would happen to you. And hearing that, like... Sorry, I'm it, laughing, but like,
1: yeah. that's not fair. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Ah, I'm sorry. No,
0: you're and like you're good. You're good. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, and even with like back to the police. Not if if they went to the police and they didn't do anything. Like most deaths from domestic violence, they occur after the victim leaves or after it was reported, because at that point the abuser has nothing to lose.
1: Yeah, they just like they want to win even if winning means killing that person and getting them out
0: i called the police in my situation and it was literally met with a well did you were you screaming were you doing anything to provoke because and i was like (laughs) was this your fault (laughs) are you kidding me so again i say like you just have to be there for your family members your friends there has to be more justice For victims and they have to know that they're going to be safe.
1: Yeah. If anybody's in this situation and you need help getting out and you need to like DM me,
0: do it. Yeah. Same. Either of us. I will do everything. We will do everything we can. I don't care where you are. We'll help. We will find the
1: resources. We'll get you somewhere else.
0: Finally, back to Kelly. Finally, her parents quote as her mom said put her foot down and told her if you don't like the rules we're setting you've got to let us know where you are because she would just leave and obviously she was at dave's but she would leave and not tell anyone where she was
1: did they not know where dave lived
0: so apparently again you hear because i've heard like i read that they did that they had been to his house a week before she kelly finally moved out they had went to his house Mhm. So they gave her an ultimatum and you know a 17-year-old girl she was like, "Okay, I'm gone." And she packed up and moved. What? Yep. And I'm assuming this is a choice that her parents regret because yeah. that was the last time they saw their daughter alive. <sighs> uh They, once she moved out of the house, she received like a few phone calls here and there, but she always sounded distant and they would get birthday cards and anniversary cards, but they were always in Dave's handwriting. They never got anything from, like he would write it.
1: Transcribing what she was saying, or do you think he was just writing it so that they would stay away?
0: I think he was just writing it so they would stay away. So on April 16th, 1996, Dave walked into the police station and said that he had accidentally killed his girlfriend while they were going at it and she drowned. Ew, what? What? That? What? Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. Go and on. by going I at it I like, why. Were... Like, what happened? Well, the police got to Dave's house and what they found, every cop that was there said it's unlike anything they had ever or would ever see again.
1: So she obviously didn't drown?
0: No. Kelly was found naked in the bathroom and it was very clear that she didn't accidentally drown, but rather she had been beaten in the head with the shower head. <gasps> oh.
1: Yeah, um, around that way.
0: So I'm going to give everyone a heads up. I'm going to go over the murder. If this is going to get very intense, if this graphic. is not what you want to hear, very graphic. Go ahead and skip forward a few minutes because this is this is bad. The Emmy on the case stated, In my career, I have, an exa- I have examined almost 600 victims of homicide, but I have never come across injuries so extensive. And I'm going to go down the list of her injuries. It's very graphic. I'm just giving you another chance to skip forward. Kelly's blood was in every single room of Dave's house. She had over 150 injuries that were found to have occurred over a four-week period. She had scalding from hot water to her butt and her left leg. She had burns on her thighs that were caused by the application of a hot iron. A fractured arm multiple stab wounds caused by knives, forks, and scissors, including stab wounds inside of her mouth.
1: Oh my God.
0: She had her, both of her hands had been crushed. Both of her knees had been crushed. She had mutilation to her ears, nose, eyebrows, mouth, lips, and genitalia. She had wounds caused by a spade and pruning shears. Both of her eyes were gouged out. There were also stab wounds to her empty eye sockets.
1: What? Like he gouged her eyes out and then stabbed her in them?
0: Yes. She had been tied to a radiator by her hair. She had also been partially scalped.
1: Oh, my God.
0: She had been starved for an unknown period of time, and she had not been given water for several days before her death. The pathologist determined that her eyes had been removed, quote, not less than five days and not more than three weeks before her death. So They were removed at least five days before she died.
1: Oh, so she had just been, she had had her eyes gouged out. So she was, she was tortured.
0: Yes. I work in ophthalmology and at the risk of sounding like a psycho, I asked the doctor I work for, how, how much force does it take to pull out someone's eye? Like, is it an easy task? And he looked at me like I was crazy, (laughs) which I guess I kind of am
1: i would say
0: so yeah i'd be like
1: uh why do you need to know that
0: it is not an easy task is the short answer of it it's not something that you can just be like oh picking a flower from a garden it's 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 hard and it's horrible and it's painful
1: yeah can you imagine like i just how did he have neighbors like how did no one hear this happening
0: I have no idea. The detective that was leading the investigation said, I have been in the police force for 15 years and I have never seen a case as horrific as this. And
1: now I'm going to quit because I can't do this again. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs>
0: So the horrible part was they came to her parents' house. They knocked on the door and they told her that they told them that Kelly had drowned and the mom. Yeah, they
1: told her. Yep, she drowned. That's what he told us. Well, her dad had to identify her. (laughs) Okay, so he was like, "Uh, hey, remember when you told us she drowned? What the heck?"
0: So. This is where, not that it, I that that's where I had to step away because she would th- this uh, this was not post mortem, all of these injuries were anti mortem, they were before she died. Her, her dad, do you, so do you,
1: I mean, he obviously, do you think he was just like torturing her to see how far it would go until she like to see how? So, how much if it would you take, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm if like, you ever him.
0: If you ask him during the trial, he testified that she pushed him to it. The eye gouging, she dared him to do it. And she would taunt him and talk about his mom. Yeah, and like, so Evan, and, yeah. like
1: you're an adult. It- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> If a seventeen-year-old girl is saying these things to you. Maybe be like, "Go back home to your parents." Then, not gouge your eyeballs out with a spoon or whatever you used to do it with. That.
0: And it was she could have had her eyes gouged out for three weeks, living with that for three weeks. So her mom, in an interview, said that about a week before. So it had been a week before all of the torture started. Mm-hmm. She was going to go over there.
1: <laughs> but, and,
0: but her brother came home because no one had seen Kelly. But her brother came home and said that, oh, my friend saw her. She's fine. Which obviously her. His friend did not see her. I don't know who this Why friend saw. Why would he saw. say that? Because that's what his friend said. His friend made it seem like she was fine. I guess I don't know if he thought he had seen her or what, but nope, I still wouldn't have went. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, your gut. he's he oh, said she was fine. fine.
1: So she's probably good. No, I'd be like, "You know, time to go, time to go take a visit."
0: So, what the parents discovered during the trial was that Dave Smith didn't exist. Uh, of course. His real his real name was James Patterson Smith and he was not 32 years old, he was 48.
1: <gasps> oh, I just hit my hand on my desk cuz I went up to my heart. He was 48?
0: He was a year older than her dad. Ew. One. He wasn't two- unemployed divorcee living in manchester so he was literally a piece of shit didn't work preyed on these young because he had a history of domestic violence i was gonna say you
1: said he's a divorcee what happened what where's his wife so his his first
0: his first marriage ended in 1980 after subjecting his wife well ex-wife to 10 years of beatings
1: Oh, my God.
0: And then between 1980 and 1982, he had a 20-year-old girlfriend who she testified, because all of these women testified against him in his trial.
1: Good. Good for them. Testified
0: that he treated her like a punching bag and even beating her while she was pregnant, including, like, kicking her in the genitals and attempting to drown her in the bathtub. When she was pregnant? When she was pregnant with their child. Does he have children? Like, he has one kid.
1: With that person, or did that yeah. baby okay?
0: Yeah, and she was like, "Nope." Kids will have a way of changing people's outlook to be like, "Okay, I can't accept this anymore." Good, but yeah, I hope so. Like, after after the twenty-year-old, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. After the twenty-year-old, he was like, "You know what? I'm gonna go younger because the younger they are, the more I can manipulate them and mold them into who I need them to be." Get my single-player cult. So he started a relationship with a 15-year-old named Wendy Mottershead, whom he beat, and he tried to drown her in the kitchen sink. Oh my
1: God! What's it with yep. him and drowning?
0: He's, he's insane. Sick. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a insane.
1: So Wendy, uh, I think, lived right. Who's what's yep, up with her? All
0: three of them lived, and she also testified against him in his Did trial. Did her
1: parents say? <laughs> nuh-uh, Wendy, not today. <laughs>
0: Where are these kids as parents? That's what I want to know. Where the hell are the, these parents? Like- you know,
1: I went to England last year and the culture shock was a bit more than I even expected it to be because, you know, pubs are just where everyone goes. Everyone goes to the bar for dinner. Yeah. It's like a restaurant. So I was in a pub. And I was drunk. <laughs> I was going to the bathroom and I came out and like a four-year-old ran in there and I was like, Whoo, too drunk to see a four-year-old in a pub bathroom wash my hands and run. <laughs> like, <laughs> was, I don't know if that's why it is differently. Because like, you, you are considered an adult younger there, but I don't know. Maybe I'm too much of a helicopter parent. <laughs> that's nuts. I have
0: no idea why you would be a helicopter parent.
1: <laughs> hey, well, if you listen to episode two. <laughs>
0: yeah, throwing it back. And um, at the trial, he still maintained that he was innocent. He said that some of her injuries were self-inflicted and she would, quote, put me through hell, winding me up. He also said that Kelly would taunt him about his dead mom and often hurt herself to make it look worse. I don't think someone's going to gouge out their own eyes yeah, like- and then stab the eye sockets. No. And then when he asked, he was asked to explain why he blinded and all of this, he said that she dared him to do it. Can you, I can't even freaking imagine. I'm I want to punch that you. guy
1: square in the wiener. I just want to like yeah. roundhouse yeah. kick him.
0: I hope he spends the rest of his life feeling like he has a UTI that doesn't I'm go sorry, away. is he alive? He is alive because there's no death penalty in the UK. What the fudge? Yeah, so Jillian um, Metzi, it's the clinical psychiatrist who was on the case, told the court that James had, quote, a severe paranoid disorder. With morbid jealousy, and that he quote lived in a distorted reality.
1: Uh, yes, obviously we should, yeah, kill him so that we can take that pain away from him. <laughs>
0: no, I hate that. I hate that he was sentenced. Kellyanne Bates. Oh, it's worse. He was sentenced oh, no. to life in prison, with the minimum being twenty years. Whoa, whoa. So like. Okay, they're life in prison. So it's really weird. So if they get life in prison in the UK. it's kind of, Yeah, okay. in the UK, they most of them is like a minimum of 20 years. So they have to serve at least 20. And then I guess they get like reevaluate kind of like a parole board thing. Okay, but the judge said this has been a terrible case a catalog of depravity by one human being upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of women and I intend, so far as it is in my power, that you will abuse no more. So I
1: don't yes, think Mr. he's Judge ever getting... Gonna... Yes, Judge. Or Judge, whatever. Mr. Judge. Judge.
0: I don't think he will ever get out. I don't think it's one of those situations. I think he's going to end up being in there forever. Like he's not going to slip between the fingers of the law. No, because this was, I mean, this was the first case in the history of the UK where every single juror was offered counseling afterwards because the pictures they had to see because they showed the pictures of her they showed the photos
1: yeah i mean i can't even hearing you list them is horrific and i can't mm-hmm. fathom what it would be like to actually see it because i have a very detailed imagination and i picture it which is probably yeah, why i have a hard time sleeping when i hear these stories <laughs>
0: but Ah! her dad testified saying people called him an animal but an animal wouldn't do that to another animal he is a very evil person i think about how much pain she must have been in how she must have thought we didn't love her because we didn't save her oh
1: look i feel sad hearing that but i also am still mad at her parents I'm mad at you guys.
0: Yeah, I'm mad too. You're you know your child is being abused. You have to do everything you can. There is a difference. Not that domestic violence is any less severe when it's an adult, because it's not we hear cases all the time, but there's a difference in a you year old. Being able to do something about it and a 16-year-old girl. There's a huge difference. That's a baby. His what his ex Wendy, when she testified, she said, It frightened me, but you get to the point where you're too frightened. Frightened to do or say anything, so you just took it, and that's—I think—that's true. And like all domestic violence cases, you just get so scared.
1: Yeah, like what are you gonna do? What are Mm -hmm. what are they gonna do to me?
0: Yep and I just don't feel like she was given. I don't feel like she had justice. I feel like her parents. I'm sorry. I This is the only case where I can, I will say this because I know I had asked you in your case about your mom and if she felt guilty. There's the guilt when you know there's nothing you could have done when you do every single thing right and something bad happens. But I can't see having a case like this where You could have done something. Your daughter could be alive right now, and quite frankly, it's your fault that she's not.
1: Yeah, and I know that's like really must be insane for them. And I
0: know, like, it's that's such a dick thing for me to say, and I'm well, you're kind of sorry, but it's (laughs) (laughs) I mean it with love. Yes. It's true, I am. But it's just uh, to find out that he was a year older than her dad.
1: Yeah, her dad should have like taken that guy out back and just beat the crap out of him. Just really, I,
0: I think in cases like this, the parents should get one hour with him. <laughs> Actually, they don't even need an hour; fifteen minutes. Uh, I mean, I know that's not going to happen. I don't know. How long does it,
1: it take to gouge someone's eyeballs out? You should ask the doctor that so that we can, uh, you know, like I've already ever
0: run into this guy. I already throw out way too many facts about serial killers. <laughs> My supervisor ordered her steak. Well done. And I was like, oh, are you a serial killer? <laughs> people just look at me like I'm creepy, which I guess I kind of am. In the best way. In the best way. I would hope so. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, guys. I know this was. This was a very, very, very heavy episode. And I want to just say it again. If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, please reach out. There are resources all over that can help you the most, I guess the biggest one, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, they can be reached at 1-800-799-SAFE. I'm going to post all of these resources in the show notes. I'm going to post them to the Instagram. This is probably going to be one of the only episodes where there's not going to be like the pictures I post about. I'm going to post this douchebag, Dave James, whatever the hell his name is. (laughs) I'm going to post like pictures of him, pictures of the family, but I will not post any of the even, I don't even know if they're real because they're so bad. how could you like they would
1: get taken down immediately
0: yeah our entire site like it would be blocked so (laughs) i'd
1: be like you know what you guys are obviously gore porn we cannot put this up
0: yeah it's just woof oh yeah well that was a bummer connie thanks i'm sorry (laughs) i'm just ruined everybody's day and night afternoon month it, it was rough i don't like saying i can like take all this stuff and go to sleep at night and not and not affect me. But this one, I was like, Gah. and I think when you've been in a situation, not that this, I mean, I don't want to, this, this is a very rare case of domestic violence. Obviously, this is like the most extreme case, but it's just as bad if you're being verbally abused, if you're being mentally abused, it affects you. Yeah,
1: they're gaslighting you into thinking that you are not mm-hmm. worth anything, but you are,
0: you are we think you are your family thinks you are your friends think you are
1: and even I if promise. you don't think your family and friends think that about you they do that's just your anxiety that's your mm-hmm. being manipulated people yep. care about you
0: but that's all we have for you this week uh tune in next week as we dive Meg is gonna take over with the craziest cannibalism case ever yep we're it's gonna, insane
1: we're gonna talk about eating butt cheeks next week oof and not in the good way <laughs> it's a whole different kind of eating ass <laughs> yeah you can hear uh, us on yeah. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify. What else are we on? Amazon?
0: <laughs> yep. You can listen directly I mean, on Gruesome Podcast. Remember to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Gruesome Podcast for pictures and extra content. You can email us at gruesomepodcast at gmail.com if you want to tell us how awful we are for telling you about this case that we just did. We get it. Yeah. Or if, if you have any ideas. You want to
1: tell us a story? Yeah. I like talking. Let us know.
0: Yeah. Let us know if there's any cases that you want to see covered or anything like that. Okay. Be Bye.
1: safe. Remember, on Wednesdays, we're gruesome.